Brand Over Coffee conversations are with different experts and inspiring individuals. They may be different in what they do, but they all share one thing in common. They all create, develop, and nurture brands. These conversations will highlight not only their expertise, but also their experiences. And I hope these could help answer some of your questions and inspire you to build your own brands and take your businesses to greater heights. My name is Andrea Ferry, founder of the Creative Brand Studio and your host for this podcast. When you're ready, let's talk brand over coffee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. Everyone is talking about how China has rapidly grown into becoming one of the world's biggest retail e-commerce markets. But with all the challenges posed by the pandemic, how does the country fare? Will it be able to come out of the crisis stronger? And what can the world learn from businesses in China? Today, I am looking forward to hearing the thoughts of my guest on this. I am happy to have Nox Balbastro join me today. Nox is currently working for Alibaba in China as a staff content strategist. Prior to this role, she was an advertising creative for 15 years and worked in some of the biggest global advertising agencies, including TBWA, McCann, BBDO, and Mullen Low, where we work together in Singapore. Hi, Knox. How are you? Thank you so much. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. I can't believe um, it's been so long. And uh, when you mentioned Mullen Low, <laughs> flashbacks came about. It seems like forever since we worked yeah. together in Mullen Totally Lowe different era, huh? <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally different landscape, um, totally different industry yeah, for exactly. you and for me, right? I mean, from advertising, yeah. I jumped to e-commerce and you have your own business now from being an account executive. Yeah. Things so, have wow. changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so okay. So Knox, so I did much. mention earlier your current role at Alibaba, but perhaps you can tell us more about what you do. So as a staff content strategist, um, I try to bring in a bit of brand thinking, especially to the e-commerce platform AliExpress. So AliExpress is one, just one of many e-commerce platforms within Alibaba, and we cater globally. So all the countries in the world, but mostly our main markets are Russia, Spain, Brazil. Um, and, but we are available in 17 languages, including English. So so that's a very interesting challenge. How do you sell to the world? So that's what a content strategist essentially does. It tries to translate all of the things that business wants to, to say to consumers, but in a way that will appeal to them. So when you think about the whole world, you really have to strategize how to do this with maximum efficiency and with the impact that you want. So that's what I essentially do. Big picture. And then day to day, we make sure that the sales that we do are creative and relevant. And, you know, China, we love our sales here <laughs> and we constantly have to produce like very interesting and engaging ways to talk to the consumer. And this doesn't just mean sales. We also do a lot of games. We do a lot on social media, create new venues so that people are constantly coming back to the platform to browse, to shop, to get coupons. Um, it's a very, very interesting job. And I could go on and on about it, but I think it would be really good to talk about like 
what's happening in China. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned sale and you mentioned China. So let's get straight to it. Let's talk about the great 11-11 sale that dominated China. So Knox, you were right in the middle of all the action, right? How was it? A big part of my job is really taking care of sales. So in China, sales is a huge thing. And the biggest sale, the the Super Bowl of sales is um, the 11-11 Global Shopping Festival. And just to put it in, in, in terms of how big it is, um, this year's 11-11 wrapped up with a record of $74.1 billion wow. in gross merchandise volume. Yeah. It's shocking when you hear those numbers. But to put it in perspective, that is the same gross domestic product of Luxembourg last year. Usually 11-11 is just like two days or one day. So it's like really a 24-hour festival. But this year, because of the pandemic, um, we felt, you know, the whole company felt like it was like to do something even bigger and to give consumers a chance to really be part of it and to take their time, basically. It was over two weeks. But because of that, the numbers are just huge. So in the first 30 minutes alone of of November 11, $56.2 billion were made. So wow. it's really, really big. And and I'm not sure, like, have you heard of 11-11? Yes. Because I, it only came, okay, do you think that people in Europe are familiar with it? How how big is it compared to, for example, Black Friday? Black Friday is like, it's pretty, it's a well-known yeah. name, in fact. Like, yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, how big do you think it is compared to Black Friday? I think in Europe, it's not really that big, to be honest. Black Friday and mm. Cyber Monday would still be big. I just really mm. know about it. And I was even monitoring it just because I'm so interested and maybe because I'm Asian. <laughs> so that's why I know yeah. about it. Um, and I also know, say, for example, in the U.S., it's really huge as well, right? For a lot of, mm. perhaps yeah. for the... Maybe not really for the consumers, but more so for the for the brands and businesses. Uh, like, say, for example, yeah. I was monitoring Magic Johnson was doing his own live stream. Yeah. You have yeah. a lot of these, you know, a lot of these, let's just say, global star yeah. celebrities. So it's really becoming more hyped, I guess. So the world is also watching. Yeah, so definitely. It's yeah. just a matter of time that, you know, we will all catch up and be more involved as consumers uh, one day. Yeah. So we call it Global Shopping Festival because eleven uh, eleven spans not just um, China. It also has AliExpress, which sells to the world, but also Lazada, mm-hmm. uh, which caters to Southeast Asia. So it's truly global, but it had very humble beginnings. So it's really interesting the origin story of 11-11. So most people know it as Singles Day. And this is because it started out actually inspired by the Singles Day holiday, which is a small holiday in China started by four guys in a dorm room in Nanjing University. So these four guys, um, they basically were lonely and they're like, oh, let's start a holiday for ourselves. And so they started Singles Day. And 11-11 is symbolic of four sticks. Okay. <laughs> so four guys. And actually the the Chinese, the, the actual name for it is single stick holiday. Mm-hmm. Singles day is really single stick holiday. And from there, the marketers from Alibaba 
specifically Tmall, um, got an inspiration to start that holiday. And from there, it grew and grew. And interesting to note, like when it started in 2009, it was just 27 Chinese merchants. So from 27 merchants in 2020, just a decade later, um, Alibaba is selling 14 million products from 250,000 brands from 89 countries and markets. Wow. So imagine just in 11 years, like it's grown to be such a, a, a huge event. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's really interesting to be part of it because um, everyone has their part. Mm-hmm. I think Alibaba employs around 100,000 employees and everybody knows that when it's 11-11, it, it's really an exciting time. There's this electricity in the air because there's a lot of pressure on people, but also because it's a festival. Yeah. Like it's really a big party for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I also want to ask Knox because, of course, you know, outside China, especially, or maybe Asia Mm. to some extent as well. When you say e-commerce or online shopping, usually what people would just do is browse through a website, right? I mean, you have your sale Mm. products there. You have... Mm. offers but in china i know that e-commerce shopping is like a sport and entertainment <laughs> you don't you don't yeah, browse through yeah. a website right you really need to have engaging yeah. activities you know immersive experiences mm. so can you tell us more mm. about what it is or say for example do you have some cases that are worth noting from the 1111 sale i'll answer that first the first part of the question because it is very interesting so when I came first came to China, I was also very used to how Amazon would do it or typical e-commerce platforms where you go into the site and you have something in mind that you want to buy. You put it into the search bar and you search for it, read reviews, and then check out. It's very easy, efficient, seamless. But that's not the thinking of a typical Chinese e-commerce platform. A Chinese e-commerce platform, the idea is that you stay for a long time <laughs> and you engage with a lot of different parts of the website. So the idea is that you don't go there with something that you want to buy. Actually, the behavior we want to inculcate in shoppers is that, oh, there's nothing happening. I'm kind of bored. I wonder what's on Taobao. I wonder what's on AliExpress. You kind of just go through it the same way that you would look at Instagram, for example, and look at you know, all these influencers, like with their beautiful clothes, the same thing with AliExpress and, and Taobao, you look at products, you, you discover things, and then maybe you'll play a game. So one of the really interesting case studies probably is how in this year's 11-11 in Taobao, you actually, they have a game where you, you raise a cat. So it's like a little very cute emoji of a cat and you like a Tamagotchi, you feed it. And as you like, (laughs) as you play with it and interact with it, you get points, which you can exchange for coupons. And this is all leading up to the big sale. So in a way, you're kind of prepping yourself to go shopping by taking care of this cat. I would have friends of mine actually who would say, "Hey, can you click on this link so that I can feed my cat?" So it's it's really a, a an, an entirely different way of shopping. Yeah, <laughs> if you can imagine that, it's like, yeah, it's definitely not like your typical e-commerce experience. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Totally agree. And I think that's that that is also a question, I guess, of perhaps initially culture, because say, for example, when you're in Asia where everyone is just so gung-ho with social media and with, you know, everything digital versus say here in Europe, wherein you have a lot of say privacy issues, a lot of, you know, it's not so it's not <laughs> yeah. so friendly, let's just say, to becoming a little bit crazier online. Right. So mm-hmm. I think we, we have seen that with, wherein in, in China, I mean, like you do everything live stream. I, I was watching yeah. this this one guy. He has a family business of selling oysters. And what he did, mm-hmm. he made it into a multi-million dollar business by just live streaming and doing a live auction of his oysters straight from his farm. Wow. You know, so have these stories and anecdotes. And again, that I guess goes back to really like the culture of people are just more open, I guess, right? You have a lot of yeah. live streamers as well. Yeah, I think that's true because um I was watching this podcast where this uh he works in AI. It's very interesting. He was saying the different attitudes of Western versus um, Eastern. I think in the East, we have an inherent trust of technology, so much so that when you think, oh, ro- when, when people think of robots, like in Asians, they're kind of portrayed as, you know, robots that help, mm-hmm. especially in like Japanese anime. There are robots that will do things for you. They're friendly. They make your life better. Whereas in the West, there's a lot of movies and, you know, like shows like Black Mirror, where they show a dystopian future where technology is evil and it's taking over your life. And I think it's just maybe a different mindset onto like what is the future and how we as Asians inherently trust that, you know, because we are collectively, we like we think for the group and we want the best for the group. We also think that our technology and our robots and all these things in the future will be for the collective good. I don't know if that made sense. It's a bit of off tangent from our conversation, but I I just think it's very interesting (laughs) how um, different philosophies like inform e-commerce, actually. Yeah, you're correct. Um, So, okay. So with the e-commerce booming in China, Knox, what about other key trends that are happening in China that maybe, you know, brands and businesses outside of China can also consider uh, knowing that Mm. the country has really done a good job post-pandemic? I think, especially for 11.11, I want to highlight like three key trends. The first one being live streaming, which we can delve into later. And then there's also brand collaborations, which is not necessarily new, but there's always like an interesting way to do it. And then the third is the blind box concept, which is a really big thing. So here there are stores and there are also vending machines where people just sell a box and you don't know what's inside. So it can it can be a toy like you you essentially know that, that it's going to be some kind of a toy or one of the one one toy in the line of like this whole series of toys but you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like feeling you get when you when a shopper buys something they're hoping to get that one thing that they really wanted but because they didn't get it they might buy another one and another one until they finally get that that is really getting big in China. A lot of toy makers um, use this type of toys and, and to get like Gen Z especially purchasing. Because I think, you know, 
people are interested in all sorts of shopping experiences. And sometimes you shop for fun, <laughs> not necessarily because you need something, more of like, oh, it's an activity. And this makes it even more exciting. So that's one key trend that is interesting for a lot of brands, I think. Like, can this be used in, in, in not just for toys, but for restaurants, for example? Yeah. Can they explore something where you actually don't know what you're going to have for lunch? And it's just like, you just order it knowing it's going to be a healthy lunch, for example. But then you don't know what's going to get delivered to your door. And it's just an exciting surprise for you when it comes. So I think that's a really, really interesting concept that can be explored further. Um, and then going back, of course, to the biggest one, I think it's really live streaming. Live streaming is so big. I didn't get to catch Magic Johnson's one, but I, I can, did you watch it? I'm interested to know how it went. I watched it. Yeah. Thank God, like he was able to do it, like, you know, in English. So of course everything was translated, but I, I did get the uh -huh. gist of it and he was so excited. It was so cool to see, you know, like a, an 80s, 90s icon, you know, he's not the youngest anymore <laughs> and doing live streaming in China. <laughs> was he was he selling something? Yes, or yes, yes. Just, I think he, um, he co-founded okay. he co-founded like one American brand. I think it was some health brand. Okay. So obviously he was also kind of like the, the ambassador. Wow. Yeah. So live streaming is very commonplace in China. Like so on Taobao, essentially the biggest e-commerce platform for Chinese. Uh people just go in their sellers. Um, and you can have anybody from like a fruit seller who's also growing his own fruit. He can just go in and um, using his mobile phone and start talking about like his fruit and selling online. But you can also have really huge corporations employing professional live streamers to go and talk about their products. So an example of this would be like the two biggest live streamers in China right now. Their names are Via. So she is... A really phenomenal businesswoman who just started talking about like the things that she loved and she started getting this following of people because they trusted her taste um, and she kept recommending really really good products and because of that she was able to create like a whole business and I think she employs around 300 people wow and these people all they do is they review products they make sure that it's really good and then she goes and onto her live stream show and she talks about them yeah and it's essentially it's like she's endorsing these products but she's making a huge cut from like selling it herself so for 1111 she actually had a total viewership of 140 million people yeah. and she sold she had 4.55 million orders just on 1111 alone Great. so it's really big and then there's another guy his name is Austin Lee. He's even bigger. And his total orders for 1111 uh, is 8.61 with 160 million viewership. Yeah. So these people, they're superstars. They're they're like Kim Kardashian yeah. on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't even have a reality show. They don't really show like what they're doing or they, they just go in there and they sell. Yeah. They just talk to you and they sell stuff to yeah. you. So, but I guess the great thing about it is it's shoppertainment. It's not just, you know, people wouldn't tune in if they weren't yeah, entertained for sure. by the content. So it's really a big deal. And if you do it well, you can push so 
so much products and it's relatively cost effective i would say i was talking to a marketer and um she was telling me about her live stream experience she went to hangzhou and they rented out this entire stage all green screen and they had an agency put together this whole live stream event and within that one event which lasts around 6 hours they push like one month's worth of product wow so it's it's really amazing what you can do with the proper live streaming strategy so that is definitely um one big trend that i think is rolling out in asia right now and probably will get even bigger here in china and definitely something to watch out in the west yeah. <laughs> when it gets there yeah No, I I was just going to say I think it also again is a question of I don't know culture again <laughs> because say in <laughs> say in Asia I think this whole going back I think to what you said earlier no this this notion of collectivism mm-hmm. also being so obsessed with celebrities and like seeing yeah I mean for us nowadays we don't see the usual traditional celebrities as the only celebrities. You have mm-hmm. a lot of influencers yeah. that are really becoming so much bigger especially in Asia, especially in China I guess. Uh saw this this woman from China and she's one big live streamer. Mm-hmm. The whole day she's just in front of the camera. Her whole team prepares the whole thing. Uh, yeah. All the products are being reviewed and that's what she does. Just talking yep. in front of the camera. Uh, a couple of years ago as well, I think this was very very new back then. One social media influencer sold in China 100 units of mini cars. Just yep. on yeah. just on WeChat. And you know like Yeah. You know, I'm sure people in the West are like, "Huh?" Even for me as an Asian, wow. 100 cars on WeChat. These are high yeah. ticket items, right? It's not just like, I don't know, uh $20 lipstick, but it's like 100 yeah. cars and for someone to do that via social media, that's insane. It's really crazy. Um I think Via definitely a, a name to be Google because She sells everything from pots and pans to makeup to houses. So it's really it's she's a force. So and also an interesting thing to note is um live streaming is so big in China right now that they actually have schools or like these startups where you can go and apply and be trained. Yeah, they're like blogger incubators where wow. they train you. Essentially like a K-pop star where you go like in, a K-pop yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they train you and they they tell you how to be a live streamer, they wow. you know give you the tips and tricks yeah. and then if you make it big then they get a cut. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're they, like an they, artist. They're like the they're like the yeah. management um firm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're also uh I think one of the biggest ones is located here in Hangzhou as well. I mean, Hangzhou where the Alibaba headquarters is located. You can really feel that e-commerce is really the thing here. So one of it is like having startups like that, the blogger incubator startup here, but also just an interesting thing to share because I was in a mall, one of the biggest malls called Mixi here over the weekend and It's not uncommon to see 
on the street, as you're walking by outside the mall, these girls who are modeling and they're just walking up and usually there's a van parked, you know, like to switch up. So these girls are like, okay, put on a coat, take pictures, walk around. And then they're like all these people following her. And then like two minutes later, okay, next coat, put on the next coat. And then they have to like follow her and take pictures. And this isn't just one girl. It's like five different girls on the street. And this is what's happening. And it just goes to show just like how innovative and like scrappy you have to be here in China. You're like, you just need to, I'm sure like you don't need a permit or anything. You're just shooting on the street and and you're posting this. You just do it ninja style. (laughs) The next day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's really, they're really hustling here. Just really interesting. Okay, so Knox, you mentioned earlier you have three trends, right? Yeah. So the last one is brand collaborations. And this year, there's a really a huge driver of new product introductions into the market. And it's a way to generate buzz. So one example is Kotex, the feminine hygiene product. And they collaborated with Kakao Friends, which is a South Korean messaging app. And they use the characters from there to create like these special edition Kotex products that really appeal to like Generation Z. I don't know if you've ever worked on a feminine hygiene product, but essentially I have. Um, in I'm an advertising worked, I actually agency. worked on Kotex. Oh, you did? Okay. I, did. Yeah. I worked, I don't know if I should say, but <laughs> yeah, I work on the biggest uh, feminine hygiene product in the Philippines. But like, essentially it's just like the same the same products sell every time, right? They're always like, oh my, it's absorbed so well, you know, like, and and you can just go on and on and on about that. But essentially it's the same message every year because how much better can it get? I mean, of course Mm -hmm. it's improvements, but the messaging is kind of bland. So actually these brand collaborations where you tie up like a fashion product, you Mm -hmm. know, with like characters or different things that women like and that are appealing to your target market, then it makes it, like super interesting and something that will get a lot of conversation started as opposed to just constantly driving in the point that it, this, this product absorbs really well. So yeah, I think there are a lot of really good brand collaborations that happen on 11.11. Sometimes brands will go as far as to release like special lipsticks, for example, like a lot of these beauty brands, they sell products that are just for 11.11. Yeah. So you you really have to buy it at that time if you want like a piece of it. Yeah. So that's it. and it, that's definitely something that is a trend that a lot of brands can learn from. Yeah. 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 I think what also 1111 is trying to show us is that as what you said shoppers really wait for 1111 and they're really expecting to be surprised by brands yeah. uh, and really be delighted by brands. So it's not mm. some because even if you have, say, Black Friday or Cyber Monday, we all know it's just going to be the same. It's I will just get a discount, mm. a big fat discount. But the engagement or let's mm. say that delightful experience, I'm still not getting it from a lot of these Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Mm, uh, yeah, definitely. Offers. Yeah, I think that that's the really interesting thing about a that. Brands are encouraged to really go all out and think of innovative ways to 
to sell their product and to talk to their consumers. So it can be partnering with live streamers or like creating special edition merchandise, even like having just a special package for 11.11. You know, like people, their brands really have to think of ways to, to stand out because they know that on this particular day or this particular week, everyone is going to be buying, you know, even, even me, like, I this is my second year in China and last year I went crazy on 1111 like I bought all, all my winter stuff and I I was like oh add to cart add to cart and then on the on the dot like 12 a.m. I bought everything so this year I told myself no I'm definitely oh, going to take it easy I'm going to be I'm not going to buy so much because I ended up buying so many things last year but then my friend She's a really nice Chinese lady. And she was like, oh, are you buying anything on 11-11? You want to add to my cart so we can like double our discounts? And so I was like, should I? Double the discount? <laughs> and so I ended up buying a camera. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you buy more things, right? So you get even better discounts. So yeah. 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 This is how 11-11 works. Even if you told yourself, I'm not going to buy anything you might just get suckered into it because it's there's just an, a whole atmosphere around the sale. Yeah. And I think what's really also uh, impressive, you have 800 million consumers on the platform and they're all back in purchasing levels pre-COVID, you know? So whether it's food, luxury items, everything, right? So they're just really, yeah, back in consumption mode, like on steroids. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the atmosphere in China is has pretty much normalized. So I think because people are able to go out, people are able to travel, and they feel a sense of security, they also show that with their purchases. You know, they they don't hesitate to buy things that they need for the entire year, and they know that the economy is is doing well. So yeah, that really helps in in boosting like the trust in like. Alibaba, for example, they know that that pretty much like everything has normalized. So it's it's also okay to start buying and enjoying yourself. <gasps> yeah, that's true. Okay, so Knox, for my last question, since you are in the middle of the action in China and you have seen how brands and businesses have bounced back, what would be your tips for businesses and brands outside of China? To be able to thrive post the pandemic? Mm. Well, I think, okay, this is um, just a, an insider's perspective, I guess. But like when you create a sale as big as 1111, you also need to think about how to sell it to the people who are working for you because essentially they're the ones driving this sale. And one interesting statistic is that Hangzhou is like the third biggest buyer uh, out of all the cities. Shanghai was first, Beijing was second, and then Hangzhou was third. They basically made 11-11 very profitable because all the people bought from here. So imagine all the employees employed by Alibaba, they also buy in the sale. And the atmosphere here in Alibaba during this time is one of like abundance and joy. So what happens as an employee, like three weeks before the sale, we get like a package with a red shirt with the theme of this of this year's sale and like a, a gift and 
something to really commemorate the event. And what happens is um, they dress up the entire Alibaba campus. It it looks almost like Disneyland, honestly. So many laser lights are up, and then there's like photo booths, museums, little pop-up displays, and the employees are encouraged to go around and explore, take pictures with their team, and really make it an event. And I think that kind of uh, event making, it emanates because from the employees working on it, they feel this drive to make the sale very, very successful. So much so like everyone knows that, you know, if we hit our targets, then everyone's going to be very, very happy. And there's this thing in Alibaba where bosses actually, like, for example, we hit a certain milestone. They will send out red packets, these digital red packets onto our messaging app. And people will have to like, be like the first 10 or something to open it and then they get like monetary reward and it can be it's small it doesn't it's not necessarily big it's not a big bonus but it's just showing so much like gratefulness for all the hard work and it just makes you feel like you're part of something big you know and i think that's something that maybe isn't common in in a lot of companies maybe especially in the west that whole feeling of camaraderie and like really making something an event. Like, so yeah, I think that's one thing that is interesting and probably isn't really talked about by a lot of people, how you need to also engage your employees in making something successful. So that's one thing that definitely I want to talk about and recommend. I love that. Inspire your internal stakeholders so that they can, you know, sell more <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, right? I think Jack, Jack Ma said that, you know, um, customers first, employees second, and shareholders third. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the hierarchy. You put that kind of priority, yeah, uh, into your employees, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, great tips, Knox. Okay, so as we end, I also just want to share my takeaway from our conversation. So yes, the pandemic exposed great challenges for China, but we have also seen the country come out so much stronger. We have discussed that on what happened with the great 11-11 and also how the sector, the retail sector is booming. China's phenomenal post-pandemic economic recovery should serve as an inspiration to everyone and to help boost our confidence that markets and businesses can thrive after the global pandemic is contained, right? So the success of Alibaba 11.11 alone has shown us how China has recovered from the pandemic and how powerful the Chinese consumer is. However, it will take a lot for businesses and brands to succeed. The old habits, the old mindsets got to change. And in order to survive and thrive post the pandemic, it is critical to adapt to the evolving needs of your consumers and to delight them in every possible way of their consumer and purchase journey. So on that note, thank you so much, Knox. That was such a wonderful thank conversation. You, I really enjoyed and learned a lot. You know how passionate I am about yeah. on what China is doing and how things are. Yeah, and that's definitely something um, brands all over the world, they should keep a pulse on what's happening in China because, you know, everything that, that's happening here usually finds its way to their shores like three years later. Everything is just so fast here. So definitely thank you for um, inviting me to talk about my experiences.
And yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being generous, Knox. Yeah. Till the next conversation. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. If you enjoy listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please do not forget to share your reviews and help spread the love on social media by tagging hashtag BrandOverCoffee. For questions, comments, and topic suggestions, you may reach me on Instagram at andreaa.ferry. Thank you for listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations.